Um, and it was really, you know, I can talk about it now because I, I am the observer of it. It's not who I am. And at the same time, it caused so much within my mental state and my emotional state that made me believe truly and deeply that there was something wrong with me. So that's how I went through my life, um, you know, feeling poor, feeling carrying the shame, which we carry shame actually from the other person. Typically, we don't realize that, but shame isn't necessarily ours. It's we hold it based on the person that really is the cause of the shame. So energetically, we make these connections and until we heal them or um, release them, they stay in our energetic body. And it's not that I'm keeping it secret, but now I'm just, I've done so much work through the healing process that I'm okay sharing it. And at the same time, I want others to know that if you've been through it, it's okay. It, it might not feel okay at the time and it might, you might not feel okay afterwards, but you can really heal from that. And for me, it's made me so passionate about looking at how those Again, circumstances and things that happen are not who we are. That's Lakshmi Dave Bowen, and I'm Brian Felcher. This is Do A Day. You'll hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Felchuk. I know we can all overcome and achieve because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers, welcome to another episode of the show, Do A Day. My guest today is powerful, is deep, is moving and spiritual, inspiring, tough, a lot of, a lot of things. Um, this is a, a really cool one. Uh, I got so much out of doing the interview, going back and editing the interview. I got even another layer of things, really strong message empowering message and um it's a tough story so you know sometimes i'll give a little bit of a warning before we jump into people's backstories and this is one of those so um this is lakshmi dave bowen she is a um spiritual uh very spiritual person she's a yoga instructor and practitioner she is a speaker and coach, especially focused on women and helping them see their own value and their own self-worth and how that can unlock such power. And in that theme, there's a lot that comes out of it for all of us. So, you know, she's very focused on women, but I know this is a really powerful thing a lot of us can benefit from regardless of what gender we are or identify with. Um, Lakshmi's backstory is one of you know, some a really difficult childhood. Um, there's drugs, there's sexual abuse, there's a suicide attempt. So, you know, like I was saying before, sometimes I give those warnings. This is one of them that think about what you're in a place to hear and whether you're ready for it. Um, but there's a reason why she shares it and it's necessary and it helps lead to some of the clarity that you see in her today. And this really interesting discussion around shame and how we don't actually create our own shame. We get it from the person who has wronged us. And we often, if we don't deal with it, if we don't work on ourselves, we will pass that shame on to someone who we then hurt because of the state we've been put into. It's a, it's a really interesting 
idea around it. And as she talks about it, it's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I get that. So how do we break that cycle and make things better for all of us as a community? All right. Deep, powerful episode, a lot to take in. I want to get right into it with Lakshmi Dave Bowen. Lakshmi Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Um, this is a uh, you're the first from this new source of guests that I've got, which isn't just people whose shows I've been on and connected with, found you through Spot a Guest. Um, but immediately when I looked into your story, when you raised your hand, I was like, wow. Um, and and us talking beforehand, I mean, I gave you the warning, like I'm particularly interested in what you have to say, especially around fight or flight. Um, it's such a common spot that I see so many people in is just reacting to everything either going on around them or things that are not going on anymore, yet they're still stuck in that reaction space. And um, your story yeah. really spoke to me. So I'm super tuned into this one anyway. Thank you for, for coming on selfishly. You're so welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're so welcome. I, I love to inspire others. That's kind of the, the underlying thing under all that I share and the impact that I'm working towards making by uplifting the planet. Really. We just inspire others and that inspires others and inspires others. It's the ripple. So yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, very much so. So tell me like briefly the today side of you, what is it that you do to inspire others? And then I really want to dig into the story that brought you to that space. Yeah, it's definitely been quite a journey. That's the best way of putting it. It's still a journey. Um, today, it's really about really living my truth. And it's both my truth and the work that I do. So my work is very intertwined with my life. Um, I teach yoga and I practice yoga. And I really believe that humans right now are very disconnected from their divinity. And that's that we are sacred and that we're limitless and we're powerful and we're here on purpose. Um, and when I think about where I was and where I am, it's literally like looking at two different lives. And I kind of joke that I've had at least 10 lives in this lifetime. So I love to do coaching for women. And I really believe that for me, my work is for a lot of the women who have been through hell and back and are creating their own heaven on earth now to live elevated and have that sense of inner peace that so many are seeking. Uh, a lot of women do have past emotional pain as I do and trauma in their lives, but not every woman does. It's just typically seeking out more. And so I do that through coaching, through speaking, writing, but I'm still working on the book. So it's, you know, it's a process. Um, and also retreats all over the world. So I love to be able to bring women together so that they can also see that we're all going through our own stuff, yeah. right? We're human. And so we're going to have feelings or we're going to have stories and we're going to have issues and it's all good because we're just, we're in this together. So that's, that's my daily life now. Yeah. It's not unique to go through things and it certainly should not be a basis for shame. And sometimes like, oh, no. getting to see that in others reminds us. Um, it's also not a competition. It's like, oh, well, the, what they went through is so much worse. So like, it, it's not relevant because it's mm -hmm. yours is relevant to your life directly. Yeah, and, and I okay. really believe that when women, and it's not against women or men, this isn't like separation. It's more that what I see in society is women have been put to a certain standard now 
that it's the be everything to everyone Mm. and it really doesn't work. And we're not designed like that as human beings. So when a woman comes in to do the work on herself, it's typically a little bit of the fear, right? Like what's going to actually happen? Mm. Am I ready for transformation? What might I lose in my life? And then in the retreat setting, it's a lot of the competition, right? Mindset coming in. And then the seeing and this awakening, it's a new perception that they have of themselves and of other women when they think that, you know, they're the one going through what they're going through and they're the one dealing with this. And if you look at this certain woman, she looks like she has all of her shit together and life is amazing. And yet she's still going through something. And so we are all in the same process, but it's all unique to each of us. And so it's really beautiful. And it's also, it's a journey. It really is about not thinking that you need to be somewhere at a certain time in your life and that then causing more turmoil because it really does. And really just accepting. And a lot of the work that I work on myself and with women and at the current moment is dissolving that inner conflict to get to the place of self-acceptance, because when you come from that place, anything is possible. Yeah. So I was going to ask you about how many people come into these, these settings, whether it's coaching or a class or a retreat, and they're clearly like their sense of themselves, their valuation of themselves is, is not where it deserves to be. Um, you went there anyway. I mean, I think that this is a really, it's a really pressing issue across the board and it's, I find it's a, a real blockage to making that progress in the other self-work we may want to do because a piece of us is always eating away at it. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. but you're not, yes. you're not good enough for that. You don't deserve that. Oh, there's so many stories. It's that inner dialogue. And I would say, I mean, I don't want to put the number at a hundred percent, but we are human. And so everybody, no matter where you are on the journey, you're going to go through a new process of a different belief or story that shows up that you might not have known was even there. And so it's just constantly letting the layers peel back and doing the work and letting the layers peel. And at the same time, really enjoying the process. I think we're all in this kind of hurry up and get there. And once I'm there, then I'll be happy. Once I'm here, then this. And when you just really pause the, I, really believe that the magic happens in the present moment. The past Mm -hmm. is there and we learn from it. Some people let it disempower them. I think it's there to empower us. The future will be there, but when it is the future, it's then the now. So there is no other thing that exists in this present moment. And when women get really present to the moment that they're in and the breath, each breath they're taking and who they truly are at that divine level and just forget about everything else there is this connection that happens to a, a place of acceptance. And yeah. again, that's my belief is those are intertwined where what I've seen is women who are not, and this was me too. And of course there's moments I have, I'm definitely human. So yeah. I have the moments, but what I see is when there's an, a, a sense of unacceptance within, there's something that's disconnected. And when there's a feeling of disconnection, there's usually something that needs to be accepted within. So those two really are, they're they're woven together. And when you have them working and you're in a place of self-connection and spiritual connection and human connection and earth connection, then you really do feel like you're living at peace and on purpose and also empowered in the actions that you're taking in each moment. Wow. Okay. We we have to get into your story because- 
like this this is inspiring but at the same time you didn't just read this in a book or dream this up no no like no. You've, you've been you you have a journey that brought you to this place that you're at right now and and i i mean that's the whole point of the show so i do want to get right. into your backstory yeah um it's a long one so i'll try to condense it uh yeah, is there right. anything in particular that you're wanting me to speak on yeah i mean i think the root of a lot of these self-perceptions and how that developed in you, you know, you've made mm -hmm. mention of trauma, um, how that played out and shaped where you found yeah. yourself that led to the work that you've done that you're now helping others with, I think is really critical. Yeah. And what I, even before going into the story, I think it's really important to say that and we kind of talked about this at the beginning, there is no competition. It's not, yeah. well, I've been through hell. So therefore I get like a gold star, you know, yeah. it's not that I just love to share because I know women have been through a lot and end up letting that stop them from living and fulfilling their purpose. Yes. And so one of the things that comes up immediately is everything that I share is truth. You know, it's not like I'm trying to win anybody's approval or, you know, again, compete with anything. Um, what's really important about anybody's story is that trauma shows up in every person differently. And it all comes down to the way that you internalize and give meaning to each circumstance or whatever happens. So for me, you know, my sister and I both went through a lot. And so my internal story is one and hers is another. And so it's really interesting that some things might feel traumatic to some people, not to others. But for me, yeah. and I think part of me being a very intuitive and empathetic person, a lot really did bother me and mm -hmm. internalized to self-hatred. So when I was really young, um, we moved from where our family had lived. And I don't remember that because I was, I think, three years old. And so then I barely remember those really young years, uh, three to five. But I just, I know that the house that we were in when I was that age, I loved my life. We had kitties and my parents were married and I had a sister and, you know, a nice neighborhood in school. And then my parents got divorced. And I think that was pretty much in my mind and in my energetic system and my emotional body, the start of the trauma. So they weren't together. And my dad was having a really hard time with the divorce. And so he kind of disappeared. So he'd be in and out and he was having a really hard time with his drinking issue. And so if we did see him, there was always like fighting between them. So they didn't have one of those like beautiful civil yeah. co-parenting divorces. It was honestly very dirty. Um, and so my sister and I got put in, I guess, situations that were not ideal. So mm -hmm babysitters that maybe shouldn't be babysitting people that were partying and doing drugs around us. And, you know, they weren't necessarily the best role models. Yeah. Uh, my mom had to work a lot because she was a single mom. And so she just could not be there all of the time. And so it was her doing her best yeah. and we had no money. We had, you know, we lived off thrift store clothes and I had to wear like the hand-me-downs, which was always embarrassing to me. I always had a lot of that embarrassment happening um, and we also had family friends that were like another family that my, my parents were close to, and we were close with the kids. And so we would stay with them a lot. And that's when the real trauma started to happen. I was sexually abused by, um, it was one of the, the males and then it became two and then it became the neighbors. So it ended up being four over four years, four or five years. 
Um, and it was really, you know, I can talk about it now because I, I am the observer of it. It's not who I am. And at the same time, it caused so much within my mental state and my emotional state that made me believe truly and deeply that there was something wrong with me. So that's how I went through my life. Um, you know, feeling poor, feeling, carrying the shame, which we carry shame actually from the other person. Typically we don't realize that, but shame isn't necessarily ours. It's we hold it based on the person that really is the cause of the shame. Mm. So energetically we make these connections and until we heal them or um, release them, they stay in our energetic body. And so for me, a lot of my then growing up became, there's always something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. Um, I'm not lovable. I had abandonment issues because again, my dad was here and there. And then my mom ended up getting remarried and we finally got to what I would call like a place of stability. So mm -hmm. those years I moved every year. I would change schools. We'd move apartments. We would get evicted. We lived with cockroaches. We had, it was just constant chaos. Yeah. And that fight or flight was my life. What and age range was all this happening in? So from five to 10. So pretty much it felt like my childhood at the time. Yeah. Um, and then my mom got married and, you know, we, we moved into, you know, a house. And so that was like a big deal. It wasn't just an apartment. And, yeah. um, my brother was born. And so that was awesome. And at the same time, it then caused other stuff for me, of course, yeah. this isn't that anybody did anything wrong. It's that I internalized it as again, I didn't matter. Yeah. And so the stories just grow and grow and grow unless we do something about them. And then we're looking for love outside of ourselves. Yeah. Right. And we're looking for acceptance from others and we're looking for how can I be good enough? And how can I feel that there's not something really wrong with me? Yeah. And by the time I was 14, I was just an internal mess. And so that's when I started um, smoking weed and drinking. And the first time I actually tried to commit suicide, I was 12 years old. Um, I thought I was going to, I took a bunch of Tylenol and actually it didn't obviously do anything, but make me sick. And it was, it was very, um, chaos. It was just a chaotic way of living internally and between the being with mom. And then I would go have a relationship again with my dad and yeah. he got remarried. And at one time he married somebody who was honestly crazy and tried to kill him. And it, it was just, con it was yeah. constant. There was never yeah, there was like no normalcy. You didn't really have a, a safe space to escape to or to reground yeah. yourself in. How, so, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot. Thank you for oh, how much welcome. you just shared and that you're here today um, is, is pretty profound. Um, what what caused the or what precipitated the end of the sexual abuse from from those boys? Was it moving or did did something did you stand yeah. up? Like how did it you keep moving. it to yourself? It it's been kept to myself uh pretty much my whole life, other than when I share my story. Yeah. Um my sister knows and people around me know. Um, I did not ever share it with my mom, and yeah. though even though I know that she knows from my sister. So it's been a really interesting journey to, and it's not that I'm keeping it secret, but now I'm just, I've done so much work yeah. through the healing process that I'm okay sharing it. And 
at the same time, I want others to know that if you've been through it, it's okay. Yeah. It, it might not feel okay at the time and it might, you might not feel okay afterwards, but you can really heal from that. And for me, it's made me so passionate about looking at how those, again, circumstances and things that happen are not who we are Yeah. because that's what we internalize is that that's, that we're bad, we're gross, we're, you know, I had a lot of stories of my body. And so what I realized happened from the time after that until all through like my preteen and teen years was that everything was about my body. Every single thing was about my body. I was obsessed with the size of my body. Um, I just, I hated my body. I always had either an eating disorder or an exercise disorder. So I started at 16 years old. So I was anorexic first and then I was made to eat. So I couldn't hide it. And so then I just became bulimic. So I was bulimic from 16 years old, actually to 32 years old. Um, and I, it went, it got better through the years. That's the best way of putting it, but it didn't go away until it, it was actually an interesting experience in Costa Rica. I did a ceremony and it was in that moment. It was like, I knew it was done. And so then I never have made myself throw up again, which is really beautiful. It's been 11 years. Um, so it's, that's, there are beautiful pieces in the process of healing. Yeah. And what I've noticed is the old stories though, they don't necessarily always just go away. It's just that you see them for what they are yeah. eventually. And that's where I'm at now. So I don't obsess with my body. I still have sometimes where I'm not happy with my body, I have body image issues and I yeah. probably will for life, honestly. Yeah. And that's okay. At the same time, I know that that's not who I am at my deepest core level. And that's what I always go back to is, am I allowing these things to take away from me experiencing life fully? And that's what I was doing a lot of my life. And I've, you know, got arrested. I was in jail and I was addicted to crystal meth and I, just, I really lived a rec reckless life. Yeah. And I believe it was because I didn't care if I was alive. And so it's been a huge yeah. journey and it feels amazing to be in the place that I'm at now. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, it, this is huge respect for you speaking as openly and vulnerably about that. And also, there's something you just said that really stood out to me is the stories don't just go away. Anytime I hear the word just, listeners probably get sick of this, but like it's a four letter <laughs> word. It's always a red flag for me. If someone mm -hmm. says like, can't you just, whatever they're going to say next is like, you're not really putting thought into this. Stories don't just go away. It's about how we move through them and it might take decades. It might take a lot of difficult moments in work, but like that whole past, it took something to come from that. And what you've created today is is so different and there's so much just a different perspective on yourself and what you're living and giving back. It's hard to see how the two could coexist in the same person, but clearly they do, but not just because time passed. It's, right. It's not like, oh, time just makes yeah. it all go away. She just it's needs to grow out of it. Work. Yeah, right. But I think a lot uh, of us do that, right? Like we just like, look, like you had a tough you you know, you have responsibilities, you have to get over ahead. it. Yeah. Get over it. I feel it. like that's a lot of that, that mentality yeah. again with the societal thing of being super women too, right? Just get over it. Right. And, and, and then it, 
it will just go away. And actually that's for the other person to feel comfortable. That's what I've come to realize is when people want that, it's because they are not comfortable talking about the situations or typically going through their own stuff. Yeah. And so there's a lot of avoidance that happens. And that's where I think, again, it comes to that disconnection Mm -hmm. where then life is lived through everything else. It's Mm. really, oh, well, I'll find my acceptance in my friends or in my family or in my work, or I'll just dive into whatever it is because everybody has their own things. And that doesn't ever truly go to the root of what's coming up. And then it's almost like the ghost, Mm -hmm. you know, it keeps coming back and like haunting you. So until Mm -hmm. you really go in and say, okay, I'm ready. Let's, let's see where this is coming from. Let's do the work. I'm totally committed. And that's really what we have to do is commit to ourselves because we do then become this light and this ripple of positivity for others. Um, And that's not going to come from outside of you. So when, when did you have this, I'm ready kind of time? Like what precipitated that? Because to go from where you were at to where you are, that is quite a shift. So something, did something, did something force it? Did it like, what, what created the move? I think so. There were definitely steps. It wasn't just like one initial thing. At the time that when I met my husband, I was in my early twenties and him and I, he was younger than I was. Um, we were together and we were still kind of, you know, doing the young life, like still had friends and party, but it wasn't, I wasn't in that same space that I had been as traumatically before we met. So he definitely brought out something in me that made me just want to live life more fully. Mm -hmm. And at the same time I had discovered yoga And that honestly, yoga for me was the initiator of all of my Mm self-awareness. And I really believe it starts with that self-awareness where even if somebody's not in a place of self-acceptance yet, because it does take some work to get there if you're not there, self-awareness is where it will begin because you can start getting in your body. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my stuff was numbing and being disconnected from my body. Um, And also being an overthinking, right? Creating those stories and letting them mean something and cause emotional turmoil. And I had severe depression. I was on antidepressants when I was younger. And then that almost morphed into anxiety. I think they're, they're pretty intertwined, honestly, in my opinion. And so I wasn't happy. And so when I just started picking up these little pieces of yoga and doing the practice, and the first time, I'll never forget the first time I did it was on like a TV show of like crunch fitness or something. Yeah. And it was, we did this practice and then we laid down at the end and I loved it cause it was physical. I love, you know, being active and I laid down and I'm just like experiencing something. I don't even know what it was. And I thought, this is amazing. I want to learn more about this. Yeah. And then I got a video and then when I went and got a book and actually the book was like a very yoga has been kind of morphed in the Western world. Yeah. If people don't realize that it's, it's true. It's a fitness um, routine. And nothing, yeah. And it's not, it's not wrong. It's whatever draws people to it is wonderful. Just, I recommend if you can look at the old philosophies and, yeah. and the deep sense of yoga. And so when I got this book, it really talked about our capability as a human through these practices. And it's really that you could have open heart surgery, but be in a different space and not feel it. And so I started reading all about how the hormones heal and how, you know, all of this spiritual stuff is actually who we are at the the core level. 
and it blew my mind. And I never even gave the book back to the library. I was like, I'm, I'm paying for this. Like I'm stealing this from the library. I don't care. And so I started really diving deep and that was the awakening, I guess you could say that started all of the, the deeper inner work and this journey of not just wanting to do it for myself, but also wanting and really feeling a deep desire, a must that I need to share with others. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a beautiful process. And then that, I feel like you, you have your initial thing and then that kind of branched off into learning about energy healing and learning about mindset. And, uh, the, the big piece, I think that a lot of people are missing when it comes to all of the work, people tend to think, well, I'll just get my mind straight. If you're not in your body, then you are not in a place to be able to truly heal and come back to your truth because everything happens in the body. Even the spiritual experiences, we're not going to experience them if we're not in the body. And so to me, embodiment is a really huge piece of the whole process. And many people are actually disconnected from their bodies. So yoga is a beautiful way to bring, bring yourself into yourself. And that's yoga in the, the more traditional sense and not just the workout sense. So like, would you say that, you know, someone going to the gym or going for a run is that, would that achieve something similar or is this really about the whole practice of yoga? Well, I think everybody has their thing. I mean, I know people who run and that is a really spiritual experience for them. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that everybody must do yoga because that's just, there are people that just don't like it and aren't going to do it for myself. What I can say is that because there are so many different elements to yoga, it's not just the, when you see it, right. It's not just the postures. Yeah. It's the postures are happening and then the person is actually getting into a mental state in their body and recognizing things and then starting to maybe breathe in a way they've never before. And then that then initiates a change in the hormones, right? So we're actually hormonal beings having this human experience and at a spiritual level, that's that's like the the biggest of everything is when we let ourselves get out of that idea that it needs to be this physical practice, yeah. but let the physical practice initiate that spiritual experience. That's when it's just, it's bliss. It's beautiful yeah. because we get out of our own way. And for me, the breath practice is probably the most important piece to it. And humans are typically just breathing in their chest and breathing shallow and not letting the breath expand and the lungs expand and letting it move into the crevices that want healing. And so breathing is such a huge piece to all of it as well. So it's to answer your question, everybody has their own thing. And for me, yoga is definitely a beautiful way to bring all of the elements together and something just happens. It's like this sense of acceptance in the self and fulfillment in the spirit to me in the soul level. That's really beautiful. Um, as you're talking about this, like in the, the hormonal piece, especially, I think when people dismiss something as like an, an illness or something as being in your head, um, it, it can be a dismissal, but actually I think it's really powerful because just because something's in your head doesn't mean it's not manifesting physically. And, and that also gives us power. So like that thing that's in your head, if you're in a stress response and an anxiety state, you know, you could be driving the physical 
either the, the physical symptoms you're feeling or amplifying them because of the hormonal response to that mental state and vice versa. Yes. You can rein it back in or at least lessen it by reducing the hormonal response and less inflammation in the body or, you know, whatever it is. So it's, you know, I was always raised thinking that that was a blow off term to diminish someone, but actually now I think it's really empowering, even though people may not mean it that way. It's like, yeah, the, the head is, the mind is super powerful. So something's yes. in my head, like everything I'm doing comes from being in my head. Well, and the thing that's really, I think sometimes not not really thought of is that there isn't a difference. I mean, we tend to say, well, the head is up here and the brain is in the head and the brain is the mind. But research shows that the heart has a brain and there's a gut brain. So it's it's not just all the head. Everything is interconnected. And at the same time, in Kundalini yoga philosophy, we have three minds. So we have the positive mind, the neutral mind, and the negative mind. And they all serve a purpose. And in the sense of the positive mind, it's wonderful to think positive. It really does give us a sense of, you know, excitement and peace and joy. But at the same time, you can get too positive and like completely be in denial of what's happening in life. And in the same sense, negative mind, you know, people who are very, I was very pessimistic. I didn't believe anything. I didn't, you know, think positive at all. I thought if I think negative, then if something good happens, then I'll be excited. And it didn't work that way. And so the negative mind, though, is there to serve to help protect us and to say, hey, is this right? And and judge and be a good filter for us. So when we get the two working together, that's where the neutral mind lives. And that's that intuitive state of the most empowered decisions where it's not coming from too positive or too negative. And the mind is there to serve the soul. And that's really what that philosophy is about with Kundalini Yoga is the mind is in us to serve our soul. So when we stop overthinking and trying to figure it out in the head or give all the meanings to it or listen to the stories and we just let them be what they are, like the clouds passing through in the sky and again, sink into our soul level, that's when we're pretty much guided by our heart. And when we're guided by our heart, we don't have to overthink or become anything we're not or prove ourselves to anyone. We just are at that heart space and for myself towards myself and then towards others, the unconditional love comes from within. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost that we need to have it for ourselves first. And then we look at sharing it with others or receiving it from others. And again, if it's not coming from within first, there's work to be done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, so on the idea of love for yourself, you're coming about your body before, um, as someone who also has, and still does battle with body issues. I'm curious about this one. Are there things about your body that you appreciate and you do love at the same time as being like, Oh, I don't like this, or I don't like that, or however you feel about it. Like, are there things that you have come to appreciate about it or its abilities? Yeah. And I, I actually really believe that that's what it has come down to is there's such a deep appreciation for my body and, and also a deep appreciation for seeing it as more than just this physical feature. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. My mind was so stuck on that physicality of the look of it, the image of it. Yeah. And so when you have body dysmorphia, you actually believe that things look way different than they do. So somebody could tell me, 
you know, that I look this way, but I just, my head didn't see that. Mm -hmm. And so when I look at the, the place and the space that I'm in now, it's really this appreciation for the body being, I mean, it takes me through life every single day and it's beautiful. And a lot of the stories that I created were passed down from others and from society and from a lot of the media. And so I love that we can now step back and say, Hey, that's not reality. That's an image. Again, it's all about that. It just being an image. So I definitely feel that for me, it's a deep sense of appreciation and also wanting to experience the most out of life. And the only way I'm going to do that is by being in the moment. And Mm. when I'm in my head about my body, not being good enough, or this being big or that being not right, then I'm just taking away from experiencing life fully. And I just, I gave way too much time and energy and mind space to that. And to me, it's almost, I feel like I would have gained thousands of hours in my life doing something else or experiencing something else had I not been so focused on my size or my look. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, there's something you're hitting on now that I wanted to go back to is the shame concept that shame comes mm-hmm. from, comes from someone else. Right. Like I, I want to understand that more because shame's a really, yeah. like obviously tied to body issue issues. Uh, right. But yeah. You I, I want to understand this better. Shame is an interesting concept and everybody has their own ideas of it. I love Brené Brown's work on shame. Um, I think that she has shared something and hit on something that a lot of people don't want to talk about. And that's these topics. I mean, it's just who wants to talk about that all the time and, and live in that space. And at the same time, when we do share the stories, we understand each other more. Yeah. And so with shame, what I believe is that for one thing, I need to be really clear that I do not like the term, you should be ashamed of yourself, or he should be ashamed of himself. Mm. I do understand that. And I understand where it comes from. Um, but like for the people that violated me, I don't think that making that person or telling that person that he should be ashamed of himself is a way for that person to heal Mm. because then it stays in that negative should and shame vibration. And I say should is shit and shame is just as bad. So when we're shaming others, we're also keeping that vibration. Mm. So, but at the same time, the person did do something that made me feel shame and it is shameful. And so it's like, I'm taking on that person's shame of what they're doing energetically. And then that stays in my body. And so for me, the way that you remove that is through forgiveness Mm. and forgiveness is not an easy topic either, because a lot of people say, well, how can you forgive someone that did something like that? And they know better. It's not agreeing, right? Forgiveness is not agreeance. It's forgiveness. It's saying that this is this person. This is me. I'm detaching my energy. I'm sending them compassion because they obviously need healing. Something is probably going on within them. And I ended up being the one that they, it's almost like that passing it on. That's how I see the shame. It's like coming from within that person. And then I'm the one that feels there's something wrong with me. So then I take their shame on. Mm -hmm. And then unless I'm breaking it, I'm going to end up giving it probably to someone else. Yeah. And so it may be a little, I guess, unconventional of a thought about shame, but for myself, it makes 
total sense versus saying that, oh, I'm just going to tell this person they should be ashamed and hold shame because then we're just going to have a society of everybody that's holding shame. And then that shame is just going to keep growing. Yeah. And so it doesn't heal if it's constantly growing. Yeah. It's contagious in that respect. Yeah. Um, I want to get into fight or flight because that was something you said to me before we started recording about Mm -hmm. how to stay out of fight or flight, how to deal with those moments where we find ourselves potentially going into it. Um, and obviously you've had enough experience with fight or flight type moments yes. that you should know something about this. So I'm, I, I need this. So I'm really curious about this aspect. Yeah. I, I really think that we're going to have more teaching around this. There is a lot of teaching now. I think people who have had trauma are seeing a lot more of that shared, like heal your trauma, somatic therapy for trauma, you know, therapy for trauma, trauma, trauma. And I don't love to talk about trauma because I do think that even though we've had traumatic experiences, when we're constantly focused on the trauma, it's like, can't we also focus on that? It also is, it's a thing, but it's outside of us. Yes. We hold it in our bodies, but it can live outside of us. And so when we've experienced trauma and some people think trauma has to be a traumatic experience, like sexual abuse. It doesn't, it could be that a teacher did or said something and somebody internalized it. Again, that's where it comes down to how you internalize things. And at the same time, if somebody has trauma or is in an unstable environment or is constantly in fight or flight mode because there's something happening at their home or whatever it is, everybody has their own reason for it. You are dealing with a very unbalanced nervous system. And that's what it truly comes down to is the nervous system and the vagus nerve. And so anybody who's listening, do your research, look at this. It's, there's amazing, um, journal research on this. There's books about this. Um, there's a lot of new, new research that's coming out around all of this. And so when you work through healing your nervous system, you will be able to heal trauma in the body. And because it lives in both an emotional way, a mental way and an energetic way, it's very interwoven in our system. And so somebody doing a bunch of mindset work, like I said, is not going to heal trauma at that body, the physical level or the cellular level, and even maybe the emotional level and energetic level. So when you're working through healing your nervous system, for me, the number one way that I found to heal my nervous system is Kundalini yoga. And for people who think, oh, it's yoga, I guarantee you it's so different than yoga that just, I would just say, look it up. Um, Kundalini yoga is really about the breath and about mantra, sound, the nod, the sound vibration. It's about changing your hormonal experience, balancing out your energy system, letting your Kundalini, which is energy, rise up. And so when we start healing the nervous system and bring our nervous system up, the parasympathetic system, the one that calms us up to meet the sympathetic, we start retraining the body that, okay, okay, okay. And that's really what happens is we start to get out of fight or flight mode. So it's, it's more about building the tools through that practice. Yes. And everybody has their, yeah, everybody has their own tools. Um, It's just that breathing, like I mentioned before, is a really powerful tool. Pranayama is a practice. It's a breathing practice. There's tons of different types of pranayama. Um, 
in the sense of Kundalini yoga, I have found that that, that practice itself, because there's certain sets that you're doing with the breathing practice are what changes the energy that helps to dump the subconscious mind of stuff that we've had in our psyche and change our hormonal um, imbalances Mm -hmm. and also heal the nervous system and really work on that, the vagus nerve, because that nerve is, it's like our life force. It goes through the whole body. Yeah. It's an interesting thing that's driving me around um, in this conversation around hope and like what you're talking about is rewiring, repairing, empowering the body in a totally different way to come from a completely different place than you are now. And I, I think that's mm-hmm. one of the most important things for people to see in, in any of these moments where we're really stuck in one of these spirals or we don't see a way out is, A, there is a way out, and B, you can actually create a completely different existence Yes. It takes work, can take time, but it's not hopeless. Do you, do you think, I mean, looking back, you know, I am really interested in how you change that cycle. And do you, thinking about yourself from before, would you have typified yourself as a hopeful person, you know, in those teen years? Oh, no. I was totally, like I said, reckless. And I think hopeless was the best word. I didn't really believe in anything. Yeah. And when you come from that place and also not just my experience, but also where I grew up and how I grew up, there wasn't a lot there to be hopeful for. You didn't have mentors and people that made money and people that were, you know, doing a lot with their lives. And so my hope was found within myself and also just expanding my mind, being open, really being open to the fact that there is so much more out there and available. And honestly, for myself, there was always something inside me underneath everything that knew, that knew there was more and might not have known how or what, but made me very curious to find it. Mm. And so that hope was always, I think, underneath everything else. It was just sort of in the darkness, so it didn't get mm-hmm. to see enough. Yeah. Do, you, do you have specific moments where you're like, that was the the current me keeping me through the tough times? Or, or do you not see? I mean, it sounds like with, with oh, that yeah. hope underneath... I think it was, it's been, there's a sense of, I've always had a really deep spiritual connection. Like I saw an angel the first time when I was five years old and I know that she, and she was at my, the foot of my bed and I know she's my guardian angel. I actually have seen also this tribe of five, these five native Americans behind me. And so I've always had a really deep spiritual connection. I think that's where my hope came from. Hmm. I might not have known And I might not have been what I would call religious, but there was always something underneath everything that was a deep spiritual connection. And when you come back to that, any person comes back to that, there's a hope that lives in in all of it. And also it's just beautiful. There's miracles every single day. And I just feel really blessed to be alive after all my stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So for someone who's maybe in the throes of something right now, what's what's one step that I don't like reducing things down, but I do think there's mm-hmm. so much you can do and you can't do it all today and right. some of it you have to work towards. So what's a good first step for someone to maybe walk out of some of this fog they're in and start down a different path? I think the first is num- number one. And if I look at three, the what I um, just shared about the the openness, really be open to, to expanding the mind and expanding 
what you see in your daily life, expanding what is possible. It's like when we're open to the idea that anything can heal, that there is hope that, and, and, and really having that openness, openness, because there are people that do not believe that there's hope or they're not open to it. They might know they need healing, but you have to be open to it. The second piece would be about self-awareness. So starting to really get aware of, okay, do I need to start feeling into my body? Like, do I feel that a breathing practice is something that I might want to start looking into? Am I wanting to read spiritual books? So it's, it's starting to have more openness, more awareness. And the third piece is allowance. And you have to be in a place of allowing. And I always tell my, my women that come to retreat, come with an open heart and an open mind. And that really is what it comes down to. But when you allow yourself to be supported, I was such a independent, screw you. I've got this. Nobody cares because I just, that's how I was growing up. I just didn't feel that I needed support. And that was like weak. And, you know, I was kind of like a scrappy girl for a while and that never served me. So if you're open and you're aware and you allow support and others to help you and yourself to just really see yourself for who you are at the divine level, then you become connected to the fact that you are sacred, that you are limitless, that you are powerful and that you're here on purpose. It's really beautiful. Um, thank you for that. What, what's next for you in terms of having Mm -hmm. this impact and trying to help people? That's a wonderful question. It's what God gives me really. I am very focused on outreach right now. I think that's the biggest piece for me is wanting to connect with other humans, other audiences in other ways than just my, you know, personal retreat, my, you know, personal coaching. That's all really beautiful. And I also see that I want to grow. It's just time to grow. And so whatever God gives me, is what will happen. It's really about me staying focused on the message is important. The work is important. And if I'm not making impact, I actually don't feel fulfilled. And I know that that's kind of like a, you know, I, I need to work or I don't feel positive and that's not it. It's just that I'm meant to be making a positive impact. And so when I'm in service, my soul is fulfilled. Yeah. So I think it looks like getting on bigger stages, um, being at, bigger events, being able to be here and share with other people than my own audience and really bring women together to, to do the work and to also celebrate themselves. The work isn't always hard and dark. I think that's another thing to say is you don't go to retreat and be like, Oh my God, that was horrible. It's like you leave there and you feel like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I'm, I'm amazing. And life is amazing. And now I have all these new soul sisters and whether it's a retreat or an event, or even just listening to this, reading a book, right? It's all these pieces that inspire us to then do the work within ourselves. And then it creates that ripple out into the world. So I think it's, it's about really growing and being able to reach those who are, those who are ready to. Oh, that's beautiful. And if they're not ready, sometimes they become ready. Yeah. Just got to stand by yeah. them. They may get there. Mm-hmm. They're ready yeah. to see I'm, it. I'm not going anywhere. That's my biggest thing. It's like, I'm here on this planet doing my work. And when people are ready, they will, they will come find me. That's awesome. So what, speaking of finding you, where mm-hmm. can people find you? Where's a, and I'll, I'll link to all the relevant links and everything in the show notes, but what's a, a good place for people to keep up on what you're doing? 
Yeah. So my website and like my Facebook business, um, it's all divine Lakshmi Dave. So it's, I probably should spell my name because it is my spiritual name and it's not easy for a lot of people to picture. Um, the first word is divine D I V I N E. And then Lakshmi is L A K S H M I D E V. So divine Lakshmi Dave is where you can find me on pretty much all the, the platforms. Cool. We'll definitely link to all of that. Um, thank you so much for coming on thank for you sharing. So you, you shared really honestly um, some tough stuff. And I think in sharing our truth, there's lots of other people who have similar or at least, you know, connected kind of stories that, mm-hmm. like you said, with these women on your retreats, like there is value in hearing that and unlocking something for us when we feel like we're not good enough or you know, we're, we deserve what we're going through and there's no path out or, or whatever we're stuck in. Um, clearly that's not the case. There yeah. is hope. Um, awesome. Are I you, really appreciate being yeah. here. It's, it's wonderful to share really that, you know, I believe that we, no matter what the past holds or is, we can create what we desire in our life. And I want everybody to know that, not just women. And so a lot of that comes to knowing that you are here on purpose and your purpose is to be you. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, are you ready to help me close things out? Yeah. Awesome. Today is a new day. Screw it and do it. Love it. Awesome. (laughs) Thanks so much, Lakshmi. Thank you. All right. Be well. Such power in that woman's message and her story and her view on herself and on us and this inner conflict that comes from self-acceptance or the lack of self-acceptance, whether that's from trauma or the way others have treated us or the way we've interpreted and not dealt with or dealt with incompletely the way we've been treated. Just powerful, powerful message. I hope that you can take that in uh, and think about what are you carrying still that someone else gave you? And where have you or haven't you reflected enough to, as she said, like you don't undo the trauma. It doesn't not happen or have happened, but it's what you do going forward and the path you see for yourself from that place of self-acceptance. Really, really beautiful. Definitely head to divinelakshmidave.com to learn more about Lakshmi. And I will post in the show notes, the link there and to social media and all that good stuff. Obviously, if you haven't figured it out by now, very powerful and inspiring person that is worth following. So definitely stay tuned on what she does. And I always try to ask for one thing tied to this do a day universe. If you've made it this far in the episode, I've been talking a lot about the masterclass and it really is the perfect time to get into that. It's still available for about another month through the end of July for you to get at that special 95% off, just $47 to access it for life. You can have it as long as you want and take in the message and the lessons and work with me. It's it's like you're getting one-on-one coaching because it's just me and you and it's on your time, but it's a lot more flexible because you can really watch it. Like even if I'm asleep, you can have that one-on-one session. Um, there's videos, there's exercises and questions to push you deeper and get into a lot of that self-work 
for self-acceptance. I mean, this is one of the key things I talk about. There's an entire module that's on that notion of self-love, self-acceptance that Lakshmi talked about so beautifully. So head over to brianfalchuk.com slash courses, or just click on the word courses. No coupon code, no special nothing. Just click on it. I've discounted the price for everybody because I care through the end of July. So you can do that work. And Lakshmi has made it really clear the power you can open up for yourself if you're willing to do that. So I hope you will join me for that masterclass. It would mean everything, not just to me, but for you. And if that idea of shame and being passed along from person to person resonates with you, think about all the people around you that would be helped as well. All right. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Do A Day podcast. We only have 94 more to go till I hit episode 200. What's the special thing I'm going to do for episode 200? I got to start planning it now because it's got to be bigger than episode 100. Um, Thank you so much for sticking in. And if you've been enjoying this and other episodes, definitely go back and listen to the back catalog. You can always get them at doadaybook.com. Just click on podcast. You can see the entire history of every episode, even if your favorite podcast platform does not show all of them. There's been over 100 now, so there's lots of cool guests to go through, see who resonates with you, whose struggle reminds you of your struggle, whose message seems to spark something in you that might unlock your path forward, and dig in. I will see you, or you'll hear me, I guess, next week for another episode of Do A Day. Thanks, everyone.